Hi, I'm Dr. Holly Tett, and with over a decade working in clinical psychology and dog behaviour, I've built my business into a small but mighty empire, allowing me to help thousands of dogs and their people each year. And the best bit? I'm no longer burning myself out in the process. And now I'd love to help you to do the same. This is the first dog trainer podcast to delve into the real talk when it comes to working as a dog professional, the highs, the lows, and how to provide emotional support for the dog, the human caregiver, and also for you, the trainer. So if you're a force-free dog pro who cares deeply for the dogs and people that you help, you are in the right place. Welcome to training dogs, training people, and keeping our together. Hi, welcome back to training dogs, training people, and keeping our together we are on episode number 15 i hope you're good thank you for joining me today we're going to be talking about a hot topic and that is the real reason your clients don't follow through with your training plans so if you've ever had the experience as a dog trainer or behaviorist where you maybe have the multi-inquirer as i like to refer to them <laughs> so this is someone that reaches out to you one three five ten times maybe in various capacities they want to work with you clearly they like your stuff they like what you're about but something stops them every single time maybe they ghost you they don't reply and then they come back into the picture again or they're about to book and then they don't or their card payment fails and then they don't kind of um, use another card or, or sort that situation out so something stops them even though they keep making inquiries and kind of getting your hopes up a little bit in some cases then there's the people who maybe book a block of sessions with you five sessions and they do that first session and you never hear from them again and this is the one that gets our confidence knocked right we're like oh my gosh what did I do what did I say what didn't I do that meant that that person didn't want to work with me anymore and we tend to go down that route of blaming ourselves now of course there may be situations where you perhaps didn't do a great job for whatever reason but for the most part it's not you (laughs) and of course as this is happening all the time maybe have a think about whether you might be a contributing factor but if this is just happening with some of your clients it's probably not indicative of the job that you did with that person the third group of people are I think the ones that most of us can definitely say this has happened so you have a first session or even the first three sessions with somebody and you really like them you like the dog you get on well you feel like they're on board with your training plan you've tried to make it achievable for them um maybe you've even gone so far as to ask you know how they work best and all of that good stuff you come up with a plan you say I'll see you in three weeks and you go back in three weeks and they've done nothing they haven't even started they never clicked your videos and never opened the resources they've done none of the work with the dog and you're standing there a little bit perplexed and it can be a bit awkward and a bit embarrassing you don't want to feel like you're telling someone off because they're adults at the end of the day um but you're kind of like oh the plan we had what's happened um and again it it can feel uncomfortable and it can make us feel gosh did we not communicate something properly um what's going on here and I know you're not alone if this has happened to you it's happened to me it's happened to most people I know most colleagues I know in fact the reason I'm making this episode is because it is something that is talked about so often um and interestingly kind of back in the day this was what was referred to as client compliance (laughs) 
very heavy-handed term. It, it kind of reflects, I guess, dog training at the time, um, which was a bit more heavy-handed. And it was like, how do we get our clients to comply? And I just feel like that just feels really coercive and heavy to me. We shouldn't be in the business of trying to persuade people to do the work. If you find yourself in that place, something's gone a little bit wrong. You know, people have reached out to you, so it should be actually they are a little bit motivated. And we'll talk about motivation possibly in another episode. But of those three groups, so the multi-inquirers, the booking five and doing one, (laughs) the people that don't do any of the work in between sessions, that can be frustrating for us as dog professionals, right? That can make us feel bad, make us feel worried, anxious, make us concerned that they're not gonna you know say good things about us in public places and you know on forums or whatever the thing is though those kinds of emotions and those kinds of reactions they can lead us to feel negative thoughts towards these people so they're lazy um they can't be bothered they can't be asked they're you know this 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 and this they don't care about their dog the reality is these people are not bad people They are not bad pet guardians and they are not bad dog training clients. Not at all. Now, let's take the third example because that's the most common one. So those people that just don't do the work in between sessions and you come back and you're like, hang on a second, have we not had this conversation? (laughs) So, of course, sometimes there are legitimate reasons why it just doesn't happen. People have a lot on their plate. People are super busy. Something unexpected comes up. They had a holiday. Work was really busy. Their child was sick. Their dog was sick. There's a hundred thousand reasons why they may have not been able to do that work in that week or those two weeks or whatever it is. Yes, those legitimate reasons do exist in the real world. However, in my experience, more commonly than that the reason that people don't follow through and follow your beautiful plan that you made with them is because there is a trauma trigger in there so those of you who know me well will have heard me speak about this a lot and of course as a psychologist this is an area that I'm really interested in and as a trauma survivor myself it's something that I am really really interested in in terms of how we relate to our dogs how we relate to our dog training clients when it comes to trauma and that's something we're going to be talking about a little bit more in our follow-up episode next time but what's often happening with your clients when they don't do the work the reason they chose not to is because some trauma in their past has been triggered in some way, shape or form. They may be aware of that or may, they may be blissfully unaware of that, which is often the case. And so they haven't felt able to do that work because they are scared. They have had a full trauma reaction. So just for anyone who's not familiar with what we mean by trauma, trauma is something negative that has happened in a person's past this could be a single event this could be a cumulative number of events that had a significant psychological negative effect on them so we think of trauma as a wound in the brain essentially so just like I might have a wound on my arm this is similar but it's in the brain and it can take a heck of a lot longer to heal than a physical wound could Um, and there's things we need to do to heal that trauma it's not something that just heals on its own necessarily maybe in some cases but for a lot of us we need some support to do that in whatever shape that might take so how does this relate here well let's give you a few examples so the first example if I am a 
caregiver and I have a dog and um, I feel like my dog never listens to me and I'm sure lots of your clients have said this to you so they come and they say my dog never listens to me I've done all this training he knows I know he knows but he just chooses not to listen now you might have your own response to that I certainly would but that's how that person is feeling in that moment they're not feeling listened to So you come in and you have all these strategies and they're totally on board and they're really willing to do it, but they don't. Why? Well, if that person has a history, something that happened when they were a young child or a younger adult, when they didn't feel listened to. So maybe in their family, when they were growing up, their parents didn't want to hear what they had to say, shut them down whenever they had an opinion. Children should be seen and not heard, for example. That can be traumatizing to some people. Maybe they were in a relationship a few years ago where that other person was really domineering. And again, whenever they tried to voice their opinion, they got shut down, they got told no, they got told your voice isn't interesting, I don't care what you have to say. And fast forward to now, they feel like their dog's not listening to them either. Now, is that annoying in of itself? Possibly. But it's made to feel even worse because they have these past experiences. So when their dog doesn't listen to them, it triggers these emotions from the past which then feel even more intense than the actual situation in front of them so that's one example a second example is barking so you might have a person that comes to you and says oh my gosh my dog barks everything all these noises outside noises in the house all we have to do is move and he's barking it's driving me mad and they've got a really strong reaction is barking annoying sure But actually, and give myself as an example here, the reason I personally find barking quite triggering is because when I got my very first dog, he had really awful separation anxiety. And before we knew what we were doing, we're following the advice of someone who didn't know what they were doing, we left him to, quote, bark it out. Not for very long, because it was too distressing. But it was highly upsetting for me to watch on the camera as he howled his little heart out and barked and paced and was just incredibly distressed. And that was traumatizing to me. So even now, when a dog barks, and especially my dog, I don't really feel it so much with other people's dogs, but that immediate response that I have to barking is anxiety. (gasps) Oh my gosh. And I have to physically say to myself, it's fine. It's fine. Because what's happening is not rational. It's not logical. It's not thought out. It is simply a physiological and a brain reaction. It's an emotional response to that trigger. Okay. Example number three. So this might be something to do with your teaching style. Now, I'm not blaming you. This is not your fault. But let's say your client had a really negative experience at school. They were made to feel stupid by their teachers. They were told they would never amount to anything. I've heard lots of people say that their teachers said this about them. Um, They found the structure of school really difficult. So, you know, writing down lists, ticking off tasks that was overwhelming to them really, really hard. And actually that entire school experience from, I don't know, four and 16 17 was highly traumatizing for them and over time cumulative trauma 
And then you come to see them about their dog and you say, here's my chart for you to tick off your training. Now that might seem totally harmless, but to that person, again, it's a trigger. Now it's not about your chart, just to be very clear, that's not the problem. It's what it brings up in that person. And it may be that it takes them right back to that moment and they have what's often referred to as a flashback. So they're transported back to that scary situation. That might be what's happening. But what also happens is we get the emotional response, we get the feelings, the fear, the anxiety in response to what's happened, but we don't necessarily go back to that precise moment. So that's where people can have these big emotions, but be quite unaware of why they're feeling that way. But again, it's going to stop them from doing the work with you because they had this huge emotional reaction when you brought out your training chart and they didn't really understand why. Okay, last example. So this is for the people that are totally on board. They want to do the work, but they just can't seem to start they're procrastinating they're cleaning the car they're cleaning the windows they're organizing the drawer full of random items that we all have in our home they're doing absolutely everything in their power to avoid starting the training with their dog why well if that person has a trauma history of you know what actually every single thing that i've done in my life that's been meaningful to me my marriage my job my uh, traveling trip, my career, whatever it is, every single thing that I've done, I have failed at. Now that may or may not be true, but that's how they feel. They feel like they've been a failure as a parent. They feel like they've been a failure as an employee. And now with this dog that they love and adore, that they've wanted all their life, they finally brought into their home and they're failing at that too. That's how they feel. So why would they start the training plan and fail at that too. If you don't start, you can't fail. (laughs) So again, that's another emotional response that's happening for that person and they may not really know why they may just think they're being lazy or oh I just can't be bothered but actually it's a trauma response that's happening so remember in all of these situations emotions are being triggered when we feel stuck or overwhelmed we don't know what to do we don't do the work even when we know that it would help us. And I'm sure this is something you can relate to too. There will have been things in your business or in your personal life that you think, I should just do it and then it would be done and everything would feel so much better. And yet. (laughs) So there may be some trauma triggers going on for you as well. So what we're going to talk about in part two of this episode next week is trauma-informed working. So this is where we really get into the nuts and bolts of thinking about what things you can put in place to support the people that you're working with so that we're reducing the risk of triggering past traumatic events for them and the emotions associated with them, number one. And number two, we are putting in place things to create a safe working relationship between you and that person and don't forget everyone's an individual just like every dog is so what will be a safe thing for one person will be different for someone else so we'll talk about how you can start to negotiate that a little bit together next week 
Just before we go though, if you are interested in this kind of thing and you are a dog professional, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, if you haven't heard about it yet, our signature programme is the Trauma-Informed Dog Practitioner Programme. Now, when you hear that title, most people are like, oh, it's about treating trauma in dogs. And it is about working with dogs, but primarily it's about looking at the trauma-informed triangle. And again, we'll talk about this a bit more next week. But the trauma-informed triangle is a very simple model that I developed in 2022. So if you imagine a triangle, an equilateral triangle, equal on all sides, at the top you have the dog, very important, member of this triangle. On one corner at the bottom, you have the human caregiver or caregivers. And on the other corner, there's you, the dog professional. So we want to think about all three corners of that triangle when we're working in a trauma-informed way. So we're thinking about what you personally need to have in place in your business so that you aren't emotionally triggered by your clients, be that dog or human. (laughs) Also say that you're not emotionally triggered by the things you have to do in your business, the things that you hate doing, the things that really wind you up, for example. We also have to think about the dog, of course. So how how are we working with dogs in a trauma-informed way? And this doesn't necessarily mean that we're working with highly traumatized dogs. We may be, but actually even dogs that we don't have any evidence that they've had a huge trauma history, there will always be something. Remember, trauma doesn't have to be a massive event. And actually, we don't get to choose what's traumatizing to an individual. So something that might really traumatize me, you could just brush off and vice versa. It's the same with dogs. So what things we need to put in place to make sure the dog is being looked after and cared for in a trauma-informed way? And then the last being on that triangle is the human caregiver or human caregivers, which always makes it a bit more complicated, doesn't it? So we're thinking a bit about what we've spoken about today, really. What do we need to have in place to make that a safe space for those people so they aren't emotionally triggered too? So my trauma-informed dog practitioner program, it goes into huge amounts of depths with the trauma-informed triangle. It helps you to set up your business so that you are operating in the best possible way. It provides you with a trauma-informed assessment that you can do with your human and dog caregivers and allows you to work with people in a way that means that they can do the training plan. They will keep coming back for their sessions. They won't disappear into the ether never to be seen again. So it's got a practical benefit of improving business and revenue and how you're feeling in your business, but it's also got that emotional aspect as well. And we have a little think about some of the things that might be triggering you too. So I'll be talking about a little bit more at the end of next episode, but if you would like to enroll in the trauma-informed dog practitioner program you absolutely can i will put the link in the show notes and i will put a special code for a discount for you 15 percent off which will be podcast 23 so if you want to get that discount you need to put in podcast 23 it works on all of the payment plans and i hope to see some of you in there all right take care bye for now Just before you go, do you have a question that you would like me to answer on the podcast? So anything related to dog businesses, working with human clients, working with dog clients, anything at all that springs to mind or that comes up for you regularly? If so, all you need to do is send us an email to info at pauseupdogs.com with your question and I may answer it for you on the podcast. All right, speak soon. Bye for now.